time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. Welcome back to the Cold War, episode 216, continuing wow. with the Korean War. Papa Bear, how are you yeah. today, my buddy? Uh, doing okay. One quick question, technical question. You can see me, yes or no? No. And don't lie to me like you did last time. <laughs> All right. So, so the clothes, when the clothes came, I turned the camera off and the clothes came off. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to distract you for the next hour. Or I, two. I can't see you. The NSA is having a great time <laughs> laughing. Yeah, but I, personally, I well, can't see on. Yeah. If, if you could hold on for a second. Hey, NSA, what do you think about these nipple piercings? Is too much? Too much? Is it like a doorknob, isn't it? No, I knew I overcompensate. Fuck. Okay, can someone help me pull these out? Anyway, I'm done. Cheryl. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Cheryl. Cheryl, Cheryl, give me something to bite on, Cheryl, while you pull out the uh, nipple rings. Uh, she's not very helpful. She's laughing. She's not very. Anyway, what? Why are we here? Are you going to ask me how I'm doing? Oh, how are you doing? How's your nipple rings? <laughs> Well, we had a we had a death in the family uh, oh, last God, night, so I'm a little bit sad today. Um, I'm sorry. Thank you. It was I, I took it uh, I took it hard. Um, right. Uh, Chrissy made me shave off Arnold, uh, yes. my must my mustache that I'd been growing for the last few weeks. Uh, I um, yes, I disagree yeah. with that call. Because it she was said, sex. It was sex on a stick. Go ahead. I thought so. Yeah. She yeah. said, "Do not like that uh, on <laughs> on any of my lips. Uh, get rid of it forthwith." So I was growing it for you. I yeah, 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 yeah. Turn yeah, up tickle. to the Grand Canyon in a few weeks, Boom. looking yeah. full full Sam Elliott. Oh, you big, had it going on. Big cowboy mo. I was getting my cowboy hat that I bought in Utah a few years ago. I was going to have the full oh, thing nice. for you. I was going to go full, right. full village people uh, cowboy for you. But um, right, you know the cha- the arseless uh, pants, chaps. chaps. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah. just still got uh, those though, right? My um, <laughs> my my lasso. Uh, Indiana oh. Jones jacket open, no shirt underneath, just my six right. pack uh, and Damn. my pecs throbbing. Uh, I'm going uh. <laughs> to need a moment. Uh, I'm playing with the anyway. nipple rings right now while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling and I'm twisting and I'm loving it, Jerry. I'm loving it. I'm out there. So, um, so was this an, uh, a family member that was close, uh, uh, kind of not close, a distant relative? Not that I'm trying to get into your business, but yeah, it was I'm the d- family member on my upper lip, Ray. Did oh, you that, miss all of that? I missed. I thought there was a death oh. and a shaving. So, oh my god, no, the shaving was the death. Hold on, let me put my pants <laughs> back off, okay? Because I feel like if it was a person, I'd have my pants on, but since yeah. it's not. There we go. The zipper's down. Yeah. So since you, anyway, since you, no, since you know it's not an actual death, the, the whole nipple ring thing doesn't work for you anymore. Oh, 
mm. but it works you for would, me. It doesn't work for you. No, um, you would. Twi- yeah, it's a long story. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Korea. Let's move on to that, shall we? Yes. There's other casualties besides Arnold, unfortunately, <laughs> for the next two hours. Uh, General Walker's Eighth Army is getting shellacked as we speak. Well, the last time in our Korean War series, Mao drove the U.S. out of North Korea in a matter of weeks and pretty much out of South Korea as well. Yes. Um, they jumped on boats and they got the hell out of there, December 1950. Right. One morning, Colonel Paul Freeman of the 23rd Infantry uh, turned to his mm-hmm. executive officer and said, look around here. This is a site that hasn't been seen for hundreds of years the men of a whole United States Army fleeing from a battlefield, abandoning their wounded, running for their lives. Damn. Yes. So it was, uh, it was, uh, I mean, point. very for embarrassing, America. you would yes. think, yes. for America oh, more at than the that, time. But we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. More than that? Well, just that literally, I don't want to jump the gun, but that literally all the governments in the Western Hemisphere are going, wait, 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 wait. We just kicked the ass of, uh, you know, Germany, Italy and Japan in World War II. And a couple of years later, the Americans are getting their ass handed to them by Chinese without planes, without battleships and with very little mortars or artillery. What has happened in the last couple of years that we are on the receiving end of an ass kicking? So it, it... flies in the face of what all these people think how the universe is made up. America is number one. They got the best of everything. They got the best fighters. They got the best supplies. They've got more than everybody else. And they're getting their ass handed to them by basically who people are who are doing guerrilla style tactics. It Mm. does not make sense. It defies all their logic. Mm. And then that story got repeated in Vietnam and got repeated in Afghanistan and got repeated in all the, uh, yeah. yeah. Are you saying that maybe we're not (laughs) the best and brightest? No, I'm just, I'm just, it's all about the results, right? Results matter. Please continue. I don't know. It just seems that you really haven't learned your lesson. Uh, I mean, Amid all of the stories about American soldiers leaving North Korea feeling depressed, hungry, tired, and bewildered, there are stories Mm -hmm. in some of the books about how the North Koreans felt about the American presence. Um, And and, I don't know, maybe the South Koreans as well, but there was a patrol from a company of the British First Gloucesters who uh, came across a, a group of Korean civilians lying in a riverbed, dying, exposure, right. weakness, uh, hunger, exhaustion, just weak. Uh, the British soldiers formed a human chain to pull them up, and, and a mm-hmm. woman lying in this uh, uh, riverbed said in perfect English, thank you very much. I teach English at the university. And they said, Mm. uh, is there anything we can do for you? She said, haven't you done enough already? Just all go away and leave us with what's left of our country. She turned around and walked off. Oh, my God. Yeah, because I read read something, uh, one article was saying that, yes, we know that the Americans, that the 8th Army, the Marines, in about 10 days, they're going to retreat 120 miles. But don't get me wrong, they are destroying North Korean property 
just as fast as they can on their way out. Some of it's personal, some of it's um, uh, a tactical, you know, because you want to create confusion and smoke and stuff like that. But they are obliterating North Korean structures as they are retreating out of there. So she's absolutely right. Not only have you ruined our lives, you've invaded our country, but you're destroying things on the way out. I mean, it can't get much worse for the, for the North Korean people. I don't think the South had it much better either. I think they no, were. No, they did not. Yes. Yeah. But the Americans had to go into the North to fuck shit up and then leave. So, again, they didn't appreciate that. And that was your point. Some Koreans already were under the impression that the U.S. were going to drop an atomic bomb on Pyongyang. It's a story in one of the books I read about a guy by the name of Moon Young Sung. Mm -hmm. He and his family were on a railway embankment uh, south of Pyongyang. Uh, running away from the the communists, right? He was um, Moon was eighteen <clears throat> uh, until nineteen forty five. His family had owned a silk mill in the north. When they lost that, they moved to Pyongyang and became silk traders. But in the autumn right. of nineteen fifty, as the communists fled from their own capital, they left behind them an epidemic of grim rumors. Moon was assured that the Americans proposed to drop an atomic bomb on Pyongyang. So he and his family moved hastily right. back to the village where once they'd owned their mill, and it was there they saw their first Americans advancing north at the height of their triumph. Then mm. when the Chinese came and the retreat began, Moon and his family began walking. There were too many people, he said, we could not keep together. When the American fighters came, machine-gunning the roads, Everyone scattered like bean shoots. He never saw his family again. For 18 days, he walked towards Seoul, scavenging scraps of food from abandoned houses, pathetically waving a South Korean flag when the F-86s strafed the refugee columns, as he saw them do repeatedly. In Seoul, Moon had expected to find refuge with a friend of his father, but this man, like three-quarters of the population, after their dreadful experience the previous summer, had fled. Moon kept walking south. He was picked up in one of the ROK Army's periodic roundups of conscripts, but after three months rejected as unfit, this despite the bleak United Nations joke that an ROK medical examination merely involved holding a mirror to a man's mouth to check that he breathed. Moon was a scavenger in Pusan when he was run over and his leg broken by an American army truck. Damn. A Scandinavian medical team rescued him. He spent six months in a Swedish hospital, a year on crutches, finally got a job as a longshoreman at the docks. He was merely another stray scrap of flotsam amid a great sea of such private tragedies in the winter of 1950. Yeah. And he's not the only person who is going to be run over or partly run over by a panicked American driving a very large vehicle. So these guys are panicked. They're crazy. Their their morality is is out the window. And as everything as bad as it is for the North Koreans, as bad as it is for the South Koreans, do you know what the Americans have to bitch about? They're not going to be home for Christmas. MacArthur promised them they would be home for Christmas and there would probably be a parade because they'd all be seen as freaking heroes for saving uh, South Korea from communists. And they're all bitching about, well, it's early December, December 1st. Clearly, we're not going to be home for Christmas and we might not even survive this day. So things are looking bleak for them during the month of December of 1950. 
Yeah, I want to go back to that, uh, yeah. one of the quotes from Moon Young sung He was saying the American fighters came machine-gunning the roads and everyone scattered right. like bean shoots. Why were they machine-gunning <laughs> civilians trying to escape? Do well, I, I don't. I don't know if they were shooting them uh, on purpose or maybe shooting at their feet or shooting over their head, but that was, that's actually a, a normal, uh, not a normal, that's a tactic. What it is is when you have a lot of troops, you want them all in the same area so you can organize them and get them out as fast as you can. So you take the roads. So the first thing you do is you make sure no one else is on the roads. Is it people? You shoot over their heads. Is it a cow? You push it out of the way or shoot it and then roll it out of the way. Or a cart, you burn it or whatever. But you clear the roads so you can use them for your troops. Now, the downside of this is all of the refugees, and we're talking tens of thousands, probably more, they're following the the uh, the Allied troops south, but they have to use the rail lines. They, they're literally walking on the rail lines because the Americans won't let them use the road. The problem for that is it makes them nice and easy to strafe these refugees by the Americans because they're thinking, you know what, there's got to be some North Korean spies in there. We should probably go ahead and strafe them anyway. So it's just misery after misery for everybody. And that's what war is. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. So they're strafing South Korean civilians. Yes. Uh, wow. Seems like the British weren't very happy with the Americans either at this juncture. Um, <laughs> They're not impressed. Not impressed. Early in December, Brigadier Basil Code. Hello. Brigadier <laughs> Basil Code. Yeah. Brigadier. Let's call me Brigadier. Brigadier Basil Code is commanding the <laughs> British 27th Brigade. Dispatched uh, a signal to the British Commander in Chief of the Far East, General Sir John Harding. He uh, didn't have much uh, positive to say about the Americans, I'm afraid. Uh, this is what he told the war office. This, I must say, rather shocked me. Uh, he said, it seems clear to me that the present situation in Korea... Oh, this is... Sorry. No, let me go back a step. So the, 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 the message that he sent to John Harding in the British war office right. was... Well, the British uh, well, it was not very flattering of the Americans, said that he, he couldn't continue working with the Americans, uh, just too much. And right. uh, uh, General John, Sir John Harding said, I, I must say, this rather shocked me. Uh, he, he replied to uh, Brigadier Basil Code, it seems clear to me that the present situation in Korea is one in which everyone, whatever their difficulties or deficiencies, must continue to do their utmost. With what with what they have, you see, uh, yes. if you are given any specific task, which uh, I say, good chap, in your considered opinion, does risk your troops to an extent exceptional in war and the particular circumstances in which the United Nations forces in Korea are now placed, I would say you should, uh, you know, old chap, make a formal written protest. To yes. your immediate superior commander, and I need yeah, hardly yeah. impress upon you the grave importance of being absolutely certain of your ground before making any such formal written protest, if right. if you know what I mean, against <laughs> the Americans, because they have a bomb, you see, and, and yes. we, we, we don't so, want to upset them because they have exactly. a bomb. Exactly. Yes. We don't got the bomb. the Yanks. Oh, I like that. We The Yanks yeah. got the bomb. Mm. We got the bomb. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the British were complaining. Um, after... The, the battles in the winter, British General Sir Robert Mansurg, 
Oh my God. He's the uh, commander in chief in Hong Kong. <laughs> right. Visited Korea and uh, delivered a, a secret report to the British chiefs of staff uh, mm. later about the situation he discovered there. Here's what Sir Robert Mansurg had to say. <clears throat> I doubt. I doubt whether any British really think that the war in Korea will be brought to a successful conclusion, you see. Uh, the reason, old chap, is, uh, for this is primarily because uh, of the American lack of determination, you see, and their, their inability uh, up to the time of my visit to stand and fight. Uh, most Americans, uh, sooner or later, bring the conversation around to an expression of the view that the United Nations forces ought to quit Korea. The British troops, uh, although sympathetic to the South Koreans in their adversity, despise them Ooh. and are not interested Ooh. in this civil war. I would yeah. judge the American morale as low and, and in some units, you see, uh, thoroughly bad. <laughs> um, you, see, you just have to say you see an old yeah. chap. Yeah. If you just you know, sprinkle them in there, it sounds very British. Or just end uh, with what? Yeah. what? Roger, Roger me, please. Yeah. Would you uh, Roger me like you did in the in the old days? Like the good old days. Yeah, the good old days. Yeah, at Eton. At Oxford. Yeah. At Oxford. Yeah. <laughs> Roger, Roger me brutally, if you would. It just uh, helps me get to sleep at night. Mother. Take <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, two warm crumpets. No. No, anyway. Sorry. Uh, back, to, back to Sir Robert Mansurg's yes. report. He says they appear to think. Uh, the Americans, you understand. The, the Americans yeah. appear to think that the uh, terrain is unfavorable. No, sorry, but the British troops. So let me go back a step. The British troops, you see, uh -huh. old chap. Right. <laughs> Roger. Roger. They appear to think that uh, the terrain is unfavorable for American equipment and methods. It must be remembered that many thousands of the Americans, <laughs> many thousands of the Americans uh, joined the army for the purpose of getting a cheap education after their service. And they had, they had no time expected to fight, you see. Uh, the right. training is quite unsuited to that type of country or war. And in spite of lessons learned, I must say, they, they will not get clear of their vehicles. Uh, their rations, right. their supplies, uh, welfare stores, welfare stores are on such a scale as to be comical if they were not such a serious handicap uh, to battle. Right. Regular American officers have been a high proportion of those lost, you see. Uh, as a result, the problems of replacement of men with experience is becoming very difficult, old chap. They've never studied or been taught defence. Oh. They appear only to have studied mechanised and mechanical advances at great speed. They do not understand locality defence in depth or all-round defence, you see. Uh, they do yeah. not like holding defensive positions. They have been trained for yeah. very rapid withdrawals. Americans do not understand infiltration and feel very naked when anybody threatens their flank or their rear. Uh, yeah. They do not understand the importance of reconnoitering ground. Right. Units in action almost invariably overestimate the enemy against them, the casualties inflicted, and the reasons for their rapid withdrawal. This I have known in our own units in war, but it appears worse here and, uh, and much more frequent, old chap. At night, uh, main headquarters blaze like gin palaces. Yes. Uh, roadblocks, oh, car parks, dumps, etc., were crowded yeah. as uh, Hampstead Heath on a bank holiday. You know, it's uh, <laughs> in my conclusion about the problems of the U.S. Army in Korea. You see, old chap, uh, Roger. 
me, uh, Roger me roughly, is uh, A, they're training on the wrong lines, B, um, terrible staff organisation, uh, C, yeah. uh, very, very low quality infantry, D, uh, disinterest in the war in general, and E, right. weak and inexperienced commanders at all levels. And F, weak and experienced commanders, the one you were just talking about, yes, most of them are dead, I'm afraid. So they shan't be returning to the fight anytime soon. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Brigadier Basil Code, back to the old Brigadier. Uh, Brigadier yeah. said, uh, since the withdrawal, he wrote a report too, you see, old chap. Uh, right. they, they loved writing reports, the British. And um, uh, they wrote this report. He said, since the withdrawal started, the behaviour of some senior staff officers and formation headquarters was at times uh, quite yeah. hysterical and resulted in the issues of impossible orders, which, if obeyed without question, would have resulted in unnecessary loss of life. American oh. commanders, frankly, tell me that they have never taught defence in any of their military skills. The American soldier did not like being attacked, especially at night, and with exceptions, mostly, uh, you know, the homosexual kind who loved <laughs> being attacked in the middle of the night, uh, uh, myself, uh, you know, having Indeed, gone to Eton, was right, very right. highly skilled yes. in this department, and, and my my uh, my my skills with a Roger uh, yes. were, were greatly appreciated. I think by the many, many most American soldiers there, I must say, did right. not like being attacked, even by me, at night, um, and with exceptions, will not stand and fight. I think the British uh, contingent's uh, attitude to the American infantry is largely one mm -hmm. of contempt. Yes. I mean, they're looking at these Americans who have more money than God. They see the battleships. They see the planes. They see the tanks. They see the biggest um, guns. And they're like, why are we losing again? Can someone explain that to me? But that same question is being asked in London and Washington and the Pentagon, uh, all in Western Europe. No one can, it, this makes no sense to anybody. How are you possibly losing? But you went, and, and you've played um, computer games, Rome or whatever. You know that once you've got the enemy on the run, it doesn't matter if they have superior firepower, as long as you can keep them distracted and keep and the same thing in chess they can't turn around and fight in an organized fashion because they're too busy trying to survive and run. And so, yeah, the Chinese have done a brilliant job by pushing them, you know, a hundred miles or so. Computer games. Computer games. No, you don't know that. 1981. No, that, oh, oh, Matthew Broderick, I think. <laughs> yeah, right about that time. Yeah, war games. Uh, yeah. I, I don't remember. But before we go on, if we could go back to Eaton for a second. Um, Eaton, yes, was, that's love to you, old chap. Yes, let's get back to Eaton. There's one, some fine old days, I do say. <laughs> I do miss was, the old Eton boys, don't you? Don't you? Don't you miss oh, them? Absolutely. I miss them. Yes, yes. yes. There was there was Toppy, there was Harry, there <laughs> uh, was Jamesy, there was Briggy, who went on to yeah. be a brigadier. But I do have to say, my greatest moment was when the headmaster himself said, "I, simple me, was a master of head." I was so <laughs> proud of myself. I, I graduated on the spot. If you know yes. what I mean. Was it the headmaster yes. who told you you were a master of head? Yes. So he you are know. the master of head. Yes. 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 He I may be the, the headmaster, old yeah. chap, but you are the right. master of head, I must say. 
The British ambassador, oh, no, sorry, the yes. military assistant to the British ambassador in December right. 1950 wrote, standards of discipline in the US Army in Korea never very high and now lower than I've ever known them. Officers oh, told me quite openly that it is useless ordering their troops to attack because they simply won't go. The US Army is still, getting my own voice, you know, playing back to me by Zoom sounding like robot which is cool, but also distracting. The US Army is still roadbound, and it is very difficult to describe their tactics since it seems that tactics in the normal sense of the word do not exist. In an advance, motorized columns headed by a few tanks are sent up the roads, making use of what is described as prophylactic fire. Uh, That reminds me of Eaton as well, I got to say. I had a lot of prophylactic fire back in those days. So my arsehole was always boom, burning. Boom, yes, yeah. it was always burning, uh, my arsehole. Never quite sure. I thought it must have been the Indian that uh, was rogering <laughs> me in the ass. Um, anyway, this seems to consist of everyone who has a weapon blazing away on either side of the column into the blue. Oh, my God. Now, of course, it's easy for the British uh, to take pot shots at the Americans. That's what nations do. Yes. They yes. criticise each other's armies and de- performance and deliverance and sexual performance. Uh, <laughs> but right? you know, plenty of Americans who were also yes. not happy with the Americans. Um, yes. Private First Class James Cardinal of the uh, 5th Cavalry wrote home to his parents in the Bronx, 7th of January, 1951, <clears throat> Oh what God. do I do now? How do I do a Bronx? Uh, Bronx. Oh, 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 dear folks. Oh, oh, hey, oh. Hey, I don't know if you <laughs> do that every sentence, but go ahead. You do you. <laughs> oh, we're now about 60 miles northwest of Taigu, holding a mountain, <laughs> holding a mountain. <laughs> Holding a mountain pass through which the entire Eighth Army oh is heading is moving <laughs> heading south. Right. You understand south. Yeah. It looks like the beginning of the end. The Chinese are kicking the hell out of the U.S. Army, and I think mm. I think just a little bit. I think we are getting out. At least I hope so. I think they're going to evacuate all the U.N. troops. From Korea soon, as it's impossible to stop these Chinese hordes. You understand what I'm saying? Your mother was a whore, and these are Chinese hordes that we cannot stop. There's just too many of them for us to fight in Korea. If the big wheels in Washington decide (laughs) to fight here, it will be the biggest mistake they've ever made. I don't think we can hold the chinks. I don't think hold the chink. I, I have invented <laughs> rap music. You understand what I'm saying to you right hey, now. Oh, I understand yeah. it. I, I understand. I invented it. I don't yes. think we can hold the chink. I don't think I don't we can, think hold, the we can chink. hold the chink. I got, I'm uncomfortable. Let's right. hope they decide to evacuate us. When you get complaining and bitching letters from me, remember, you putana. Every soldier <laughs> over here feels that way. The troops over here. What's his name? James Cardinal? He's probably not that. Oh, he could be Italian, yeah. Uh, they love the right. Catholics. Seems to me, to hell with the troops in Korea. No, troops over here are mad, mad at America. Americans and America's leaders. We all feel that we've been let down 
by our incompetent, right. blundering leadership from the White House down. It seems oh. to me to be to hell with the troops in Korea. If we must fight communism, let's do it in Europe, which is the cradle of Western culture and of our own civilization. <laughs> oh, it seems to me that <laughs> that's more worth fighting for than some barren oriental wasteland with uncountable hordes of savage right. warriors whose mothers are whores. It's about time that all of you back home awaken to the truth of the matter. <laughs> Let your voices be heard through your letters to your congressman. That's the only way to get direct action. Well, now, folks, that's all for now. I'm in the best of health and spirits. Ho ho, yo, oh. And I hope that you all and the rest of your family are too. I got love, a cannoli. Love Jimmy. Yeah. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but literally, I mean, it was like, I mean, these American troops, they felt betrayed. They felt betrayed by Washington, the Pentagon, their leaders, their state, everybody. It's like, you threw us into this shithole. We weren't ready. We don't have the right equipment. And they don't for the terrain. And now they're getting their ass handed to them. Yeah, they're bitter. The people back home are bitter. Everybody's losing the morale in America and the troops in, in Korea could not be lower. This is truly the low point of the Korean War. And 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 really this comes right at the on the tail of the great success when um MacArthur did that flanking movement around Seoul and it was brilliant and they were able to push all the way up to the Chinese border. And now this the, it could not get any worse for them. There's only one option and I'm thinking it's an atomic option. Yeah. That's how I solve my problems. Yeah. Yeah. Go drop a deuce on them. Um, <laughs> one of one of the problems, the American Army's problems, was like Mexico. Right. They didn't send you their best people. Um, no, they didn't. <laughs> I, I would appreciate it if the Mexicans would send their finest to rape our women. No, I can't believe I just said that. No, but, but America's best and brightest were in college. They got out of World War II. They got the GI Bill. They're in college. They're building their their futures and people like you and me. I mean, nobodies who can't do anything, certainly fight, have joined the army. Why? To get a free college education. And now they're fighting. They're not prepared for this. Uh, it basically, it's a bunch of podcasters at war. It's not a pretty sight. <laughs> yeah. Well, also that mm -hmm. the American approach to fighting a war, as uh, one of the British guys said before, was very technological. Good point. Machinery-based. Yes. Uh, I want to stay in my car, in my truck, in my tank, and I want to fight from here like it's a fucking video game. I'm sorry. I digress. Go ahead. And a lot of the smartest guys were put in technical and managerial roles in the, oh, uh, in the army, point. not right. necessarily out uh, commanding troops. So you had, you know, a lot of the smartest guys in America didn't go. The ones that were left, the smart ones of them got pushed into these managerial roles. Mm -hmm. um, so, they, yeah, they just didn't have good people and the people who wanted to fight, they didn't care. Fair enough. What the fuck right. are we doing here? What is a police action anyway? <laughs> So that is some of the uh, uh, different perspectives of the American performance at this juncture. Um, but mm -hmm. I think we should wrap it up there and come back next time where we will talk about the American views vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, the Chinese. An iron curtain has descended across the continent.